the more I researched, the more I read, and I did some practice dummy websites, I just found myself totally falling in love straight off the bat with designing websites. And it sort of just came naturally to me. Like things just click for me when it comes to web design and SEO. I don't know what it is. Like I've never studied it. I've never studied graphic design, anything like that. But I just found myself naturally drawn to it. and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google ads and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpost, Woolmaker Law and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving Real Housewives apologist alongside my love of all things pop culture. And yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. On this episode of Smart Online Marketing, I'm talking to Carly Plowman, who is the founder of Technobird. And she is a website designer and she specializes in service-based websites for small and micro businesses. She's also an SEO specialist, which is really great because when she is developing a website strategy, she can then combine an SEO strategy and kind of all set from the very beginning with a really strong digital footprint. And I talked to Carly in this episode about how she got started with website design and SEO. And it's actually a really interesting story. She had no experience in the field and while she was on mat leave, kind of fell into it and she tells the story of how that happened. We also talk about things like pricing as a service provider and how you can often fall into the trap of underpricing your services and how only really in the last year or so she's gained that pricing confidence, which I think that's something that a lot of people will resonate with. And also why she decided to scale back from more of the agency model of a team and scale that back just to her and a one assistant and why she said no to working with WordPress websites altogether. This is a really, really good chat. I hadn't met Carly before. I had actually only spoken to her on email and just a little bit on Instagram, but just got the vibe that she'd be a great guest. And it was true. She was so easy to talk to. I could have talked to her for so much longer and I just think she's great. So if you want to learn more about her, listen to this chat. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you please tell people who you are, what you do, and just introduce yourself? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my first podcast for the year, so I'm very excited to to chat with you about my favourite topic. Um, So, yeah, my name's Carly from Technobird, and I'm a website designer and SEO specialist. Um, I've been doing this for about eight years now. Uh, I'm one of those cliche um, maternity leave. Oh, that's me too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, had one of those, had 12 months where I, you know, was like, right, I've got this time. What can I do with my life? I hated my previous job that I was in for five years. It was not a creative job at all. What uh, industry was that in? It was just in business admin. I worked yeah, in okay. for a job services company and every day was the same. It was just number punching, punching and um, just, just the same stuff every day. I wore a uniform. Oh I my God. Miserable. Yeah. Old school. I think that like so many people that I talk to on this podcast, so many women in particular, well, obviously women in particular that, um, they do go through this crisis of, of identity crisis of career when it comes to maternity leave. And I think having that really forced stop and mm-hmm. that break, I think if you don't have kids, you're kind of like, oh, 
I don't know if there's anything better out there. Do I have the guts to, to start my own business? So I think it's a, it's a real moment of clarity when you have yeah. a baby because you think, no, I want to be actually being away from my child to do something that's worthwhile to me as well and that I enjoy as well as earns money. So was that kind of what, what you... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. And I knew that I wasn't going to go back to that job after my maternity leave had finished. So I had to come up with something. You're like, hmm. <laughs> um, yes. But it's funny because I didn't go searching for this career. It sort of, it sounds so... I don't know, funny, but it found me. It was a it was an accident that I started doing web design. So basically I was on a committee for the local football netball club at the time um, and they had a terrible website and they wanted somebody to put the hand up to, to overhaul it and turn it into a hub for the club, for their sponsors, members and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I didn't have any web design experience and no one did and everyone was just like, oh, that's a, that's a sounds like too hard of a job. For me, so nobody put their hand up and I'm like, oh, you know what, that might be really interesting. Like I've always kind of wondered how you build websites. So, all right, I'll do it. And I had the time because I had my daughter and 12 months. So I went and um, sat with the guy that built the previous website and he sort of showed me, you know, around and a few things. But for some strange reason, I just went, I reckon I can do better. And I'm like, why did I think that when I had never built a website before? So I literally went home from that meeting that day and Googled how to build a website. And I just went into full self-research mode. I started looking at different platforms and learning about hosting. And with that naturally leads into SEO and understanding how SEO plays um, a role with websites. And the more I researched, the more I read, and I did some practice dummy websites. I just found myself totally falling in love straight off the bat with designing websites. And it sort of just came naturally to me. Like things just click for me when it comes to web design and SEO. I don't know what it is. Like I've never studied it. I've never studied graphic design, anything like that. But I just found myself naturally drawn to it. And I was like, right, could this be something that I could turn into a business? Is it viable? Is it sustainable? I could do this from home whilst raising children. It's very flexible. It just ticked all the boxes. So I thought, right, just have a crack. Start, just start with nothing. I don't have money for it. I don't have training. I just pulled in a couple of people that I knew that would help me or let me do practice websites for. And that's where it all began. I just started getting, you know, more clients through word of mouth. I started to build my portfolio. And then eight years later, here I am, still doing it. Um, have kind of got myself into the position of, <coughs> excuse me, being a, uh, an industry expert and a specialist in SEO. And I'm still as passionate about it today than what I was back then. So, yeah, that's kind of where it all started. And I've had another child since. So I've got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and and now in my own little studio space and no longer working from home. So, yeah. That's incredible. I think so many things just popped up in my brain after you were saying that. First of all, I think with, I was in a very similar position after having my second baby that I knew that I wanted to do something for myself and and I'd come from an agency. So I I was in a different situation where the first time I had my child, I had an e-commerce business and then left that, sold that business and moved into agency. And then with my second child, I left my agency job and started a new business. So I sort of had um, similar experiences 
to you. And I think the benefit of having a service-based business when you are starting it from like maternity leave or it is relatively low risk because you don't need a lot of capital to get actually get started with right. most, I think with most service-based businesses in the digital industry, um, you don't need to go to an office. You can do it around the kids' naps. Mm-hmm. You can do it at nighttime um, yeah. and you can slowly build up where the way that I sort of worked it and I was very fortunate that we were able to be stable on my husband's income, that we weren't relying on my, on me contributing to the finances for a particular period of time and we could then gradually work to a point of, um, you know, it snowballed and, and yeah. was successful. But if it wasn't, it's not like I had committed to stock or yeah. um, a physical space. So we're very fortunate in that regard, I think, that yeah. it is, in a sense, low risk to start that business. Exactly. I want to ask a few things like, first of all, was Technobird a name that you had from the very beginning? Because I feel like it's an amazing name. Was that something that just came at the, how did you yep. come up with that? Yeah, so I've had that the whole time. Wow. Um, how I came up with it. Well, originally I was looking at Hello Birdie. I don't know why the bird thing, I don't. it's no real meaning to the bird thing. Bird meaning woman, chick, girl. That's all that the bird part meant. So I knew I was going to have bird in it. But the techno part, so Hello Birdie was original, but I couldn't have it because it was registered already. So then I just did a little brainstorm. It literally took me five minutes to come up with the name because <laughs> I'm like, I work with technology. Um, I'm a techno bird. <laughs> I'm a techno bird. That is just popular. It's such a great name. Well, it's stuck and, you know, most people know my name, Techno Bird, more than they know my real name. So I haven't ever sort of felt the need to shift to my own name for my business because I don't think it's needed at this point. Um, But in saying that, now with Clubhouse being the new thing, I'm using my own name rather than Techno Bird so Mm. that people can also get to know me as my personal name as well. Um, yeah, so Technobird was was a quick five-minute brainstorm and it's stuck with me ever since and, yeah. So great. And the other thing that I was thinking while you were talking was did you have, like, a creative passion? Were you ve- You've come from, you said your job was very, like, punch in, punch out. It was very routine and boring. Yep. So there wasn't necessarily you were getting creative stimulation in that previous role. But, like, if I was on machinery leave and I tried to design a website, it would be so janky. And I just don't have very much creative bone, like a creative bone in my body. So as in style-wise, I'm talking aesthetic-wise. So are you someone that's naturally like geared towards interior design or or design or fashion? Like where did this sort of ability come from? from? Good good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. Honestly, it just reared its head once I had um, Harper, my daughter, and once I started you know, learning about web design, I discovered this creative side that I did not know existed, Um, but it just felt so natural as well. So none of my previous jobs were creative at all, very analytical, data-driven, and I was always miserable, always miserable, couldn't ever find a job that I was happy in. I mean, I did them because it was money and it was easy, and I just thought my life was bound for admin like business admin you know path but when I discovered web design I just felt this huge sigh of relief because I'm like finally something that's creative that I didn't know I was going to be good at but I'm so glad I am and it just opened this cat of worms so yeah there was no there was no background in any kind of creative industry at all it just suddenly appeared in front of me and it all just naturally clicked so 
it's incredible. I think that, you know, you've come, you, like you said, you, you've gained quite a lot of industry or you're quite well regarded in your industry. Eight years ago when you were working at work, changing the website of the local football netball club and you're in a small town, which my family is actually has roots in Kyneton where you're based. And so it's, it's, it's a small town. And how did you start to gain, like, how did you get clients and how did you start to, cause I, like we've spoken about this relatively low risk to starting this type of service-based business, but then it comes point where it's like, well, how do you get clients and how do you, and especially when it's um, on the SEO side, it might be more of, you can have ongoing retainer type clients, but on the website design, it's usually just like a one-off and then maybe a check-in every when something needs done, but usually having to find, continually find new clients, right? Yeah. But do you know what? I've never had to search for clients. Clients have always really found me. So in the beginning, your SEO um, background, <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, word of mouth, that is really where I get all of my clients, even from day one. So the first website that I ever did was my brother-in-law who was an artist um, and he's a really well-known artist, Australian artist as well. His name's Daniel Butterworth. So he let me design his website because he's the nicest person in the world and he's like, yeah, go for it. So it was more like a portfolio type of thing and he wanted to have a blog. So, you know, I didn't charge him for that. It was him doing me a favour by letting me create his website. So that's where it started. And then I had a couple of friends who were in a similar position to me that had just had children, were on maternity leave. They also started their own side hustle or business and knew that I was just starting out and we were like, let's help each other out here. I'll build your website for you at a very cheap rate, like literally $250 was the first <laughs> amount that I charged someone crazy. But anyway, um, so, yeah, so I built a couple of friends' websites and then things just, like you said, snowballed. I would, they'd refer me to their friend and then obviously Instagram was around then. It's all well, I hadn't really, it was sort of new back when I started. So I, I jumped onto that as well as Facebook. And then I started to just build my profiles on social media, Facebook groups as well. And that's just sort of how it's all happened, like just through social media and word of mouth, but also teaming up with um, other creatives like copywriters and digital marketers, for example, who have people come to them saying, I I want a website, but I want you to write the copy. Do you know of anyone who's a website? So we all have this really lovely connection and um, collaboration. I have quite a few copywriters that I work with and then social media managers. And it's just sort of where it all comes from, um, from other businesses who need to bring other people in for their own clients. So, yeah, I've never had to go out there and really advertise too much, Um, but yes, definitely social media and word of mouth would be my main. I've never done paid ads. Not re- I've done a couple of them, but with pretty poor results because I just whacked a price on it, you know, on a post. I've never done Google ads either. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how it all works. Yeah, I think when um, it's interesting that both of us with your skills in SEO and my um, specialties in Google Ads. I haven't used, we both sort of haven't used those for our, to market our own business for a service-based um, role. Like you might've got some um, organic referrals through yeah. SEO, but for me, yeah. I haven't used Google Ads for my own service-based business um, because I've been lucky in the same situation to you that have really strong word of mouth referrals. Mm-hmm. And also in my line of work that it's generally ongoing 
client. So I don't have to continually chase new clients. It's quite steady in that way. But um, I think that once you do develop a really solid client reputation and like you said, have a pool of other like-minded business owners that offer complementary services, Mm. they're actually your strongest path to referral because they're putting their name on the line as well. Like I've got a couple of really close contacts that they might be doing the entire strategy and then they'll say, go to Katie for the ads kind of thing. And they're putting their name on the line because they're they're actually recommending someone. And if it goes sour, that reflects also on them as well and to a certain degree. So to have... I think that speaks really strongly to your ability to produce really good work and be a great expert in the field because other people are willing to give their clients to you. Yeah, and I do the same for them as well. So I, you know, have a really great Yeah, it's a like-for-like relationship. Yeah, but I also know their strengths as well. So I, if somebody, if a client comes to me and they need a recommendation for a copywriter, then I'm not just going to go, oh, yeah, here's a list, choose one. I'll only recommend who I think will fit. So I know that copywriters have their niche and so I only recommend people who I think would fit that, um, that niche and who might be a, yeah, a, a, better, a better fit for, for both parties. And they do the same to me. So I have, you know, the copywriter friends who might recommend a client to me that is service-based because I specialise in service-based. I don't do e-commerce anymore. And it might be a photographer because that copywriter knows that I've done plenty of photographer websites. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a two-way street when it comes to that kind of relationship. And I think it's the best way to create or to find more work is by making those partnerships with other like-minded or similar business owners. Yeah, I agree. Um, you mentioned before about, you know, you charge someone $250 for a website and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I think that's a common thing that people do when they're first getting started is they vastly undercharge their services. I was having a discussion with another podcast guest about the same situation and and the actual struggle to get out of that as well, to yeah. to work yourself up to pricing for value and pricing what you're worth. Did you go through any of those similar struggles? Absolutely I did and I still do. Yeah. I do. Pricing for me is something I have always struggled with but in the beginning I couldn't really charge too much because I had no idea what I was doing and I just needed to get a couple of clients to help me gain my skills and let me practice on. So, you know, charging next to no money was fine because I needed... Like work experience. Exactly right, yeah. Um, But then over the last nearly eight years of doing this, my prices have obviously increased a lot but I am admittedly not the best at charging what I'm, I'm worth. Like I've had a, plenty of conversations with business coaches who are always like, you're ch- not charging enough, you should be charging more. But I always hesitate for some reason. But I also put myself into a box really at the start and for the good first probably three years that I wanted to work specifically with people that were just starting out because I was in the same boat as them. I had no money to build a website. I had no money to invest in my business. And I always felt like they didn't have anyone they could go to for not a cheap website, but an affordable, I suppose, uh, website that was also going to be good quality to give them that stepping stone to start their business and get out there and promote and all that sort of thing. But then after obviously a while, I needed to actually make money. Mm. (laughs) So I didn't really make money for the first 
I'd say three years. Wow. Um, well, not enough, not like what I do now. Yeah, you should but, see her, guys. She's swimming in gold. No. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I've got kids. That's not, not happening. But, um, <laughs> but no, I'm definitely, I had to go through that period, though, to build up my skills and my business and my profile and attract other. You and know, your confidence. And my confidence, exactly. Because I think I always say like pricing is a function of confidence. The more confident you are, the more confident you are in your prices. And that takes time, especially I think if you're a female in business, it takes time in a male-dominated world, um, like in a male-dominated industry, sorry, where digital can be quite male-dominated. There's certain aspects that are female, maybe more in the design it's female, but definitely in the advertising space it's, it's heavily dominated by men. And I think it's it's hard to get to the point when you're pricing for what you, yeah, what, what you're yeah. worth and what value yeah. you're driving. I definitely have hit that confidence point in the last, I would say, one to two years and especially from last year as well. So I've got to a point now where I have no hesitation in charging a certain price for a client's website because I now have the experience and the expertise and I've got proof that I can do a good job uh, and I've established myself as a leader so that confidence definitely was not there in the first few years, but it didn't ever stop me either. It didn't make me go, well, I'm not making money, so I'm going to chuck this in. I knew that there would be a period where I needed to just sacrifice having a regular and consistent income in order to build myself and my business. And, and luckily that I did because now I'm at a point where I'm full-time in my business. I have wait lists for web design clients and SEO clients and I rarely get people hesitate at the price point, even though I keep increasing it year after year. So that to me means that people now know that I'm good at what I do and that I'm trustworthy and they can they can feel confident in investing in my services. And even though the price point is increasing, I rarely get it, um, I rarely get a knockback. And that's really comforting for me to know that I'm sort of in the right area price-wise for the clients that I want to attract. But it took a long time to get there as well. And I still, like I said, I still hesitate increasing prices as well. But I'm much more confident in that than what I was two years ago even. How have you dealt in the past? Like you're more confident with it now, but there was a, a long period of time in the business where you maybe were less confident with your pricing yeah. and maybe undercharging a bit. And totally. I'm sure you've had people in the past come to you and say, oh, look, I can't afford you, but I still need a website. Like, what can you do yeah. for me? Or um, yeah. what about if we do this and try and negotiate or barter with your price offering or know? maybe uh, offered pay by the hour or something like that? How have you dealt with that? I haven't really come across anyone so far that have wow. said, I don't know, like, you know, that it's too expensive or that, I can't afford it. I literally couldn't think of more than two or three people that have come back and said, oh, I can't afford it. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but if I do get someone that comes across and says, you know what, that's out of my budget, then I could recommend them to maybe starting out on their own first. Um, there's great platforms out there, DIY platforms like Wix and Squarespace for the, that I work with as well that you can simply purchase a template or use a free template and start there just for those people to get their foot in the door. 
and then I can come in later and refine it if they need to. But at least they have got the the bones in there and the content in there, but they just need someone to jiggle it around a little bit. So there's that. Um, there's that avenue for people as well. Or I could maybe recommend somebody who's starting out in web design whose prices may not um, or maybe, you know, a little more affordable or within that client's budget. But, yeah, honestly, I haven't come across many people at all that have said no because of the price point or because of the quote that I've provided. Um, yeah, so that's an interesting question. <laughs> I've had plenty of situations where they'll be like, well, how about we work on like a um, a percentage of revenue thing where you do my ads and I'll, and I'm like, no, that's no, not I've how I work. Like, like or how about I pay you by the hour? And I'm like, I'm not an employee. I'm a, yeah. I'm a service provider. So I think that that just you must attract a really great quality of clients. I hope um, that's why it is. Yeah, but yeah, I've never had any. Or maybe they're just like she's. In, yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, also about you know they could purchase something like an out of the box design. Mm-hmm. What's the benefit of of getting? Because I think some maybe there's some um, there's an understanding that well, what's the value of there might be a perception of what's the value of hiring a website designer to do like a custom design when I could just get something out of the box and pay. Yeah so much less. Can you talk me through why you would recommend someone would actually go with like a custom website, not saying it's yeah. a custom coded website, but custom website design yeah. um, over like a, a purchase template? Yeah, sure. So the benefit of having a, a professional website designer is that it's not just them popping in your content and saying, there you go, you just have to put your, you know, about page text here and all is sweet, looks great. It will come down to the technicalities of your website, making sure that your keywords are placed where they should be, making sure that your on-site, on-page SEO optimization is on point, making sure that you've got all your page titles sorted, making sure that your call to actions are strong, and making sure that all of the um, all that the website is user friendly and all the links work. Like there's a lot more to it than just popping in your content and calling it a day which a lot of those um, sort of out-of-the-box or those templates, the free templates, can do for you. They don't tell you how to structure the website. They don't tell you that you should put a button here because then it will lead people to your contact page. They don't tell you the psychology of a website design. Um, So that's when a web designer can look at all of those things outside of just putting content onto a website template. Um, but for me personally, it's the SEO side of things, which most people fall down at. They don't understand that if they, so for example, if they go onto Wix and they pick a template, they put, put their content in, they hit publish, done. But they haven't gone in to the back end and run the SEO wizard, as, the, as it used to be called, or the SEO tool that tells them you need to put a page title here, you need to put a heading one tag here, your images are not optimised. The images, image file sizes are too big. You don't have alt titles. Like it, they forget to do that part. And then 12 months later, they're not showing up on Google. They're not getting website traffic. They've not installed Google Analytics. And they come to me like, why am I not getting found? And I say, well, you have not optimised. You've done this. You haven't done that. And this needs work. And your copy needs work and keywords and whatever. So There's a lot to why. do that people don't like. Yeah. understand and that like I've been in that situation you're kind of like no one's telling me what I need to do and it's yeah. 
I don't I don't know what I'm meant to be doing in yeah. in terms of like a page title and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it, I guess it's that whole thing about do you make that upfront investment and go with website design at the start? Who is yeah. going to get all those things neatly organized for you? Yeah. Or do you spend that year trying to figure out how to do it yourself and then questioning mm-hmm. why you're not getting the traffic? But that'll come down to time and energy as well. If yeah. you think you've got the time to put into learning how to build your own website and make sure it's optimised and do your own keyword research and all of those things, absolutely 100% go for it. Like I totally support people that want to do it themselves because I started there as well. But then there's the flip side where people are like, I don't have time to learn because I just want to do the thing that I do. I just want to sell my products or help my clients or whatnot and they just want somebody to get them started off the right foot and have the site you know professionally done it's optimized all those things yes it's an investment up front but one that will pay off in huge dividends in the long run because you you bothered to get it right in the first place um yeah so that's sort of the difference but I'm all for people doing either but at the end of the day I think investing in a in a professional web designer who's also um proficient in SEO as well uh, is going to benefit them in the long run and cause less headaches than it might if you DIY. Yeah, and I think also people don't anticipate at the start that it can be a lot harder to unpick or transition yeah. from a bad website to a good website. Like you see a lot of the websites that, and I don't know whether you work with any of these style of businesses, but they might have got a website up in the early 2000s and they haven't really changed it since then and it's still using custom code and all that sort of stuff yeah. and it's it's very um, clunky and it's not optimised and it's not mobile responsive and all those things that uh, the standard templates now just include yeah. by default. Yeah. Have you encountered any of those clients where you're actually overhauling a whole existing yep. website structure? Is that is that Because there might be some people listening that are like, I've had this website for 20 years mm-hmm. and... Like I don't even know where to start to get it yeah. to get it working. Yeah, I've done plenty of those kinds of websites. I've, I've had people come along and say, I've had a website for 10 years, I haven't touched it, and it's on, you know, a, an old Joomla. platform. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> an old platform that I don't work on um, yeah. or that is just no longer working out for them. So then I would recommend switching to something that's more current. and Because it was the thing back then to do like a fully custom-coded, yeah. custom you site design. Do you don't have to do that sort of stuff no, anymore. No, no. Yeah. And I think that kind of thing is well on its way out or really only used by big companies who have a lot of technical aspects to their website. And I don't work with bigger companies. I stick to small. That's where my, I'm specialising in, in small business. And that's why I like to use Wix and Squarespace and Shopify. Um, I don't even use WordPress anymore because I I just want to make things so simple for people because I know that they just want to do the thing that they do. They don't want to spend a lot of time fussing around with their website and having to input code or learn code. Like they just go, no, I don't want to know. I don't want anything that's going to be too difficult to manage and you can absolutely create amazing websites with, um, you know, Wix and Squarespace and Shopify, even Weebly as well, which has come a long way. So, yeah, it's it's definitely not required or not super popular anymore to go and build a custom-coded website. I mean, you can. There's definitely some amazing web designers out there who um, that's what they do. They're, they're code builders 
and they can create the most divine websites in Squarespace all from code. Um, but that's not my area of expertise. Um, but I think also when that happens is it can be really then hard to integrate that. First of all, to manage that ongoing if you're not super proficient with code, if someone's custom coding something for you and then you're going to be doing the general upkeep of that, that, that can be really hard to do if it's yeah. if it's super hard and super custom. But the other thing to keep in mind that a lot of people don't think of from the very beginning is that um, it's really hard to integrate with third-party platforms, common third-party platforms, if you do have a really um, custom-built site or one that's not on one of the main the main um, platforms like, yeah. you know, your Shopify, your WordPress, your Wix, your Squarespace. If you're not on one of the key platforms, it can be really hard to even get things like your Facebook pixel or your Google Analytics code yeah. or your run Google ads and track conversions through that. So yeah. the more and more custom your site is, the harder it can actually be to integrate with common platforms down the road. So it's also okay. something to think about at the start is when you're looking at a website platform to use is, okay, maybe I don't want to advertise in a year or two years, but in three years when I do want to start running paid traffic to it, is it easy to, to integrate these sort of yeah. platforms and services with it because you don't want to be continuously using a website designer or having a website development person on your team if that's not something that's feasible for your business? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in today's world of web design, it's so like your Wix and your Squarespace, for example, it is it is a more desirable option because it is easier to integrate you know your analytics code and your google ads um integrations as well because they those platforms have made it really simple for you to do it yourself which is why i love them they really focus on making sure that it's easy to manage and things are well um instructed and things are you know there's signs on everything what you need to do there's instructions step by steps on those kinds of platforms but if you have, you know, a heavily custom-coded WordPress website, then it's not so in your face how to do those things. Um, so, yeah, that's why I tend to use those other platforms that are simpler for people to manage on their own so that they feel in control of their own websites and they feel in control and confident to go in and change a page title or add a code you know, in the back end. And that's why I prefer, yeah, to use those kinds of platforms over custom coded. And so now you're at the point where you say you've got a wait list of clients for both your SEO and your website design services. Mm-hmm. So, and you're full-time in your business. So what does your, what, what is the best thing about running your business now? And what's the most challenging about, because do you have a team or are you, is it just you? Um, I used to have a team, so I, at the moment it's just me and my assistant Kayla, um, who came on board last year, um, and she's uh, what I call a creative assistant. So she helps me put together keyword research plans. She'll do some data entry. She does lots of content creation for me. Um, she manages my client database. Um, she also does some web design work, but not a lot. But hopefully, we'll, I'm trying to mould her and teach her. Pretty much clone her, basically. <laughs> um, but I used to have um, a lady called Belinda who was a WordPress expert and she um, handled all of my clients who were on WordPress. And I also had a couple others that did Squarespace and Wix. But um, maybe two years ago, I decided just to do it all myself. And I also completely cut off WordPress because I just didn't enjoy it. Um, and it just seemed to cause headaches for me. And yeah, so I just refer, straight refer 
um, people to Belinda or other WordPress uh, experts. What was the decision to scale back on having a team? Because that's quite interesting to have a couple of team members that you could, yeah. like, were you going down the agency path where you wanted to have more no. of an agency or like no. ha- what was the what was the decision behind scaling that back? Um, mostly because, no, I never wanted to go down the agency. I don't want to be called an agency. I don't want to look like an agency. Um, but the the choice to do that was, one, I just didn't want to do WordPress anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it wasn't, you know, it was never Belinda that was the problem. It was just WordPress wasn't fun. I didn't know my way around WordPress and I also didn't want to learn. So after a couple of years of working with Belinda, I just decided to instead do a straight referral to her and she could mm-hmm. manage the client herself and she'd provide me with a finder's fee. And mm-hmm. I hated the back and forth as well. Um, so I hated how much like I had to go like the emails, like, can you look at this? Can you tell me what you think of that? And it just was really time consuming in the end to have to manage somebody else and have, you know, the client. It was like you were getting in the way between her and yeah, the client. exactly. Mm. I was in the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Not then, in the way, but like you were being a middleman. You weren't being yeah, utilised. Yeah, it was super time consuming and I just wasn't enjoying it. So, you know, I decided at that point just to, to cut that off altogether. If anyone came to me with, um, a website that was WordPress. I'd be, I'd just tell them I'm not doing WordPress anymore, but Belinda is, and she's great. Here's her details, and I'd just straight refer to her. Um, and then, yeah, I had Gemma who was um, doing Squarespace and Wix. And at the time, I wanted to have the small team because I thought it would help me income wise. I thought I could bring on more clients um, and do more websites throughout a year by having a small team. But in the end, it just I just found it too hard to manage everybody um, and I wanted to just make things much more simple, uh, make things simpler for myself and for my business. Um, and then I could also take on, excuse me, less clients but increase prices. Mm. So less, working smarter and not harder, I suppose. And there's um, a lot of costs associated with hiring, yep. with having a team. You know, there's a lot of tax, a lot of superannuation yeah. costs and um, <laughs> you do need to have an element or well, you do need to see an element of of ROI from yeah. an employee and really um, wasn't working out for that for that yeah yeah well that, that you know that's really interesting now that you've sort of scaled it back and and it sounds like you're enjoying that much more I am um and I you've been so generous with your time today and I really appreciate you talking to me about your business and it's so uh like it's so inspiring to hear someone that has eight years ago, didn't really have any experience with websites. And now you're at the position where you are now with a wait list and you're kind yeah. of booked out. Can you please tell people where they can connect with you if they do want to join your wait list or get yeah. in touch with you to find out more about what you do? Yeah, for sure. So um, you can head to my website, which is thetechnobird.com.au. And it is the Technobird, not Technobird. Unfortunately, there is another Technobird over in Pakistan, and that is not me. Once you see their website, you'll realise it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> so thetechnobird.com.au. Um, now you're going to send everyone to their website you, to have oh, a squeeze. Oh, yeah, that's all right. You'll see the difference and you'll be like, oh, okay, right, gotcha. <laughs> um, but you can send me a message through my website um, or you can get in touch with me via Instagram. I'm on there 24-7, 100% obsessed with Instagram. Um, <laughs> I love a DM. I love a DM chat. So you can find me there as well, or you can just email me. Um, I'm on emails pretty much 24-7 also, which is hello at thetechnobird.com.au. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Katie. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I really got a lot out of it and I find it really inspiring when other working mums are kind of forging their own path in the digital world and killing it with a really strong waitlist and client referrals galore. So it was great to talk to Carly. If you want to connect with her, all the links are in the show notes and I'm at Katie Griffin on Instagram. You can find me lurking there. My website is katiegriffin.com. And if you think this would be helpful for someone, share it with them and leave a rating and review because that always gives me a bit of a pump up. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye.